I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. Welcome to the Active Topical Banter Show, RP Gamer's editorial roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Scott Walker, and with me tonight are my co-hosts in no particular order. Hi, I'm Scott's soon-to-be wife, Sam Marcello. I do stuff on the site. I'm operations manager. Take that for what you will. <laughs> I am Michael Cunningham, RP Gamer's editor-in-chief, and never to be Scott's wife, and never to actually be Becky's fake husband or real husband, despite the fact other people may assume two Cunninghams are related. We are not. You'd be such How's a cute going? couple. You'd gouge each other's eyes out. Probably, but in good fun. Greetings and salutations from currently the slickest part of Canada. I'm Trent Seeley. I'm an editor at RP Gamer. All right. And tonight we are tackling the question of what form a re-release of a game should take. So obviously we live in an era where people are suddenly realizing, oh, all these old games, no one has the machinery to play those anymore. Let's cycle those around and maybe add some stuff, and then we'll sell it again and get twice all and get double the monies. That's definitely something that's taken place for quite some time now. And I remember, I guess it was back in the even the Super Nintendo days when they repackaged the original Mario games on Super Nintendo and Mario Super Mario All Stars. You got Mario, Mario 2, Mario 3, and Lost Levels, and that seems to be where a lot of things started, isn't it? So, well, that, yeah. and there was also, parallel to that, there was also the uh, you know transition between floppy disks to CD-ROM. You saw a similar thing, like uh, a lot of old uh, Apple II games got reissued on CD-ROM for um, Windows 3.1 at, at about the same time, like 97 to 98. There was good reason for that back then, though. Yeah. Um, wouldn't you all say, you know, there was a good reason to have older things that were now obsolete. Like most people, it was a bigger transition from the NES to the SNES. And there were reasons for having that kind of stuff. But nowadays, it seems like it's taken a lot different role, wouldn't you all say? Absolutely. Especially for RPGs, interestingly yeah. enough. And... I've been trying to think back on, and Scott may have a better idea from the PC side, what was one of the first role-playing games to really get re-releases? I remember Square Enix kind of started that in the, I guess, the PlayStation days when they um, started well, having a whole lot of stuff come out. From from the PC side, it was pro- the, the earliest ones I remember were really Ultima, and that was part of the switch from discs to CD-ROM. Yeah, and... Again, you know, a whole technical reason why they would do that, getting away from an older version. But even at that time, were they 
the same game? Yes, they, they, they basically were. And I mean, even then, I was watching an interview with Richard Garriott, and he, he used to design games for Teletype. <laughs> no one can play those anymore. <laughs> yeah, so there's a whole lot of reason, a whole flock of reasons that re-releases took place back in those days. And it seems like now we're starting to see it all of the time. And kind of for the same aspects, wouldn't you say? Well, I think there's definitely there's definitely a, hey, let's introduce this to a new set of gamers who didn't have our old hardware. But there is a complicating factor of, uh, you know, the DLC market. Well, and there's also a section of gamers who might have played it in the past, but don't have the systems to play it again today. So, I mean, it, it makes it's practical in one hand that you, you want to take some of the best games from last generation or, or a couple of generations ago and reintroduce them to uh, today's audience. And I, and I definitely value that aspect of what are essentially ports, I guess we could call them. Um, well, you know, I, I agree with you in that sense that, you know, I value the fact that there are things that, you know, because I don't have the hardware, I, you know, I couldn't play otherwise. But then there are companies that take it a little too far, and I'm going to point the finger at Square Enix on this one because there's no reason for Final Fantasy one or two, the the two Final Fantasies that nobody really likes. Hey now, hey, um, I really to, like. Final yes, Fantasy. Scott, we know, <laughs> we know, Scott, we know, Trent. Well, but I'm I, just saying. I think so part, do I. <laughs> like Final Fantasy one and two uh, have been. I, I think they currently hold the record for being on the most platforms, in particular Final Fantasy one. Like that was on like uh, those dumb phones that you used to have mm-hmm. before the days of smartphones. It's been on the GBA. It's it was on the NES. I pick it on those two in particular though. It was released on the computer. It's on it's iOS now. But I guess well, it, where and the I thing think... was, I was joking the other day that it shows how little faith Square Enix has in Nintendo's current lineup that you can't buy Final Fantasy One for the 3DS and Wii U. It's it's interesting actually that. Because there was definitely, it seemed like there was a team of four guys dedicated to making that game run on everything. Yeah. <laughs> See, I guess my problem with it, though, is in a lot of cases, you're getting inferior versions. Well, the, like, they were the company that started it, right? I mean, for the most part with role-playing games, they had the biggest back catalog for current generation hardware, wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah. I would say so. We haven't really seen a ton of uh, HD releases from other companies until this most recent generation, you know, where they've re-released the Metal Gear Solid games and the Silent Hill games and, and the Ratchet and Clank games. It, like, they're releasing trilogies of things that were originally on the PS2 for the PS3 now. So it's definitely a more mainstream phenomenon today than it was at that point. But not and for RPGs, though. Of- the motive has definitely changed as well, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, in terms of RPGs, though, if you look at this HG, tra- HG, God, HD transition, I mean, you're only looking at Kingdom Hearts, which, by the way, only some people appreciated. Everyone else went, not again. <laughs> and Final Fantasy X, which isn't even out yet. Well, it, yeah. there, there are the Persona games as well. Yeah, but that's a really different situation if you think about it. Because <laughs> you're go... not going from, you know, a console game to a console game. You're going from cam- console to handheld. Mm-hmm. And I'm not yeah. saying Persona 4 is 
ugly on the Vita because it's not gorgeous. <laughs> Let's but... not get too too far off the history though. I wanted to touch yeah. on what you were talking about with Final Fantasy like one and two. I remember those being some of the first ports uh, back on the PlayStation era because they put out Final Fantasy Chronicles, Anthology, and... And Anthology was embarrassing. Yeah, and... I think think the biggest problem with those ports is that they were bugged. Like, I I still remember dropping the dollar because I really wanted to play Final Fantasy V because I had no idea what it was like. And no more than ten minutes into the game, I hit a bug... That made it so I couldn't I couldn't get past. Like every time I tried to save my game, my game would freeze. So, and that's another whole other issue. Like if you're if you're going to take a game that was popular for one audience and reintroduce it to a new audience, you really have to make sure that the port is of quality because that ruined my experience with the game until I replayed it on the GBA like five or six years later. And this is where I pick on Square Enix again, because they are not really known for making quality ports a lot of the time. It's only in the last couple of years they've well, really stepped it up. That's what they did back in those days, is they would, um, and just like they've done with Final Fantasy X, the HD collection, is they outsource their ports. Uh, a lot of those earlier games that they ported were done by Tosei, and they're kind of the shadow developer in Japan that you don't ever see their name on anything, but people kind of find out that they've done these ports. And Tosei has... <laughs> Say what? Whisper their name in hushed tones. Yeah, they're the ninja developers of Japan. But they seem to have two levels of developers there. They have the, this company's paying us you know, a fraction of what we should get paid, so we're going to half-butt this. And then we've got the, we're actually going to get high-quality stuff, and we're going to make a high-quality game. And they've actually done some original stuff. Some of the Dragon Quest side games, like Dragon Quest Monsters, they've done, you know, some completely original content. But a lot of times they were just doing ports, and they weren't doing them that well. Mm. So... And that that actually happens a lot, even in today's market where people are interested in re-releasing. Like there are some companies like Bluepoint who who did uh, Metal Gear Solid that did an amazing job uh, transitioning it to multiple platforms in HD. And then there are other games like the ones that did the uh, HD re-release for Silent Hill, which makes me so sad on so many levels. The that fact one was that- embarrassing. Well, the PS2 releases of uh, Silent Hill 2 and Silent Hill 3 legitimately look better and have better fog effects than this HD re-release. And you find out afterwards, it's because they were using incomplete code. And the worst part is, the two games that desperately needed an HD release, being Silent Hill 1 and Silent Hill 4 The Room, were completely left out in the cold. So it totally failed to serve its fan base, and I definitely don't think it attracted anyone new to the series. So, miss the point completely of an HD release. Well, and again, we're, 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 dealing, we're talking about HD re-releases a lot, but... I I think there's something to be said for actually releasing a historical artifact. Um, for example, like uh, for example, uh, a while back they did Monkey Island Special Edition, the first two games, and there's a button you push and you play it exactly the way it was released. Yeah. And Final Fantasy X's going to come out. I'm a bit curious about it. I never finished either of them. I'd kind of like to, maybe. If I, unless, I'll buy them for you, honey, if that's what you want. Don't buy them. It, it depends on if I they, I really do remember them being terrible or not. Yeah. But That's Mac's favorite. Don't you scold it. 
<laughs> it's that, one of them. But... but that aside, it's like it's not going to be the version I got to play. Yep. Originally, it is all it is all the bells and whistles plus that new skin. And I would well, wish that they'd release sort of no. a choose your own version that's, of it. That's the thing with the HD releases is a lot of those really are the original. Like Final Fantasy X, X2 HD re-releases are just the international version, which we didn't get, but they haven't tuned it up. They haven't done things like... No, they've redone the soundtrack. Well, oh god, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so just touching on that, and and not to harp too much on Scott's point, but one of the things that I noticed, and and like, I'm sure the three of you, like me, follow a lot of people on Twitter who are all about the RPG scene, I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many conversations I saw as soon as that first gameplay trailer came out with the updated score, how many people swore off their pre-order because the battle music was tweaked ever so much. So <laughs> there, there's definitely something to be said about wanting to play exactly the game that you want and nothing else. Oh. I remember last summer, I actually wrote an editorial for RP Gamer about... Uh, how I didn't think Final Fantasy VII could ever happen. And the argument wasn't that it wouldn't be profitable or that people wouldn't play it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's that either you're going the full Monty and updating the visuals, the sound, everything to bring it up to, to what people expect today. And it or- would cost $100 and- million dollars and take six years. And, and and that could very well be the, be the case. Or you're leaving it exactly as is. And there's going to be people on both sides that are going to be completely unhappy with the product. Well, no look winning. at yeah, look at some of the other games they did, and I hate to keep using them. And I've got another example of another series that I'll use here in a minute. But if you look at the Game Boy Advance releases of Final Fantasy four, five, and six, I actually like the way those were handled because they managed to keep the exact same feel. Of the original games, they had quick save feature, which was just adding a little bit of extra content as far as, or a little bit extra functionality to it. And they added additional content to it as well. Like in Final Fantasy IV, you were able to take any of the characters at the end of the game into the final dungeon, which was, you know, a fantastic new addition. You didn't have to use it, but you could. Final Fantasy VI was able to take and add on a couple of extra dungeons. I didn't think the extra content there was good, but they actually changed the script quite a bit in that one, which wasn't as good. And then... They they rewrote a Ted Woosley script. Yeah. I'm I'm sure it was more accurate, but Ted Woosley. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sacrilege. But, see, that was the kind of remake that I enjoyed or the re-release that I enjoyed because it had everything that I liked about the original games and more. Whereas like the 3D DS version of Final Fantasy 4 was like a ground up totally different game. Don't even get me started. (laughs) Don't get me started. I was thrilled to start with. Thinking about it. (laughs) Did did they George Lucas it? Honey, you played a little bit of it. Oh yeah, they George Lucas that. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, and here's, uh, uh, Mac and I have had, like, a number of conversations about, and we're on the same page, we very much enjoy the sprite style of the 20th anniversary editions of Final Fantasy 1 and 2, and the Absolutely. complete collection for the PSP of Final Fantasy Amazing. 4. It really high, really high resolution, everything, the backgrounds, the animations, the characters, it, it was really crisp. Beautiful. 
It was, it was, and like never to sway anyone away. If if you're a fan of the of the DS, uh, Final Fantasy three and Final Fantasy four approach, that's fine. You can enjoy that, and and if you're so interested in it, you can use your iPhone or iOS device and download the After Years in its now three D HD form. But it totally jived the wrong way with me. I don't know what it was, but it felt wrong (laughs) it changed not just the gameplay because it really did change the fundamental feel of the game but i just hate that blocky awful looking 3d style and i'm not yeah i much prefer the smoother beautiful glowing you know the The 2d sprites yeah and they did it well they updated it without being too much changed, whereas the you know the DS one was just well. Ugh. You have I, to also I, think about the fact, truthfully, if you look at the DS version of four, I mean the changes that they made were were pretty astronomical, just in terms of even the gameplay. I don't know anybody that likes the augment system because it's so easy to screw yourself over with it. See, my yeah. bigger problem with the game is that because it was built well rebuilt from the ground up, there's a lot of random difficulty spikes. Yep. It felt well, the last boss is really brutal in that game. Yeah. Well, well, and again, no reason for it. Because I've played the original game on the Super Nintendo, and I played the PSP iteration as well. So playing yep. it on the DS felt really, really... like You can notice when something isn't going the way you feel it really should be going. Even the Octomam, the, you know, the boss at the end of the Underground Ruins, was so much more painful to get through um, not to say that the original final fantasy fours weren't very easy but it people say well this gives a new generation an experience to play these games well it's not the same game no. it's not a re-release or a port or a remaster that's from the ground up the psp versions the game boy advance versions those were the ones and the, mm-hmm. the psp version of final fantasy four is my favorite of all time and it has the best translation too. Another thing that we really can't yeah. is is that we like if you look back, sometimes a game is re-released and everything is kind of corrected. Like I, I, I of course have never played the Japanese release of Final Fantasy V, but to my understanding, the release for for the Game Boy and for the PlayStation was not only more hilarious, but had a, a lot more going on and a lot more characterization applied to your party members. See, when you get to localization, though, and translation, that can be such a touchy subject on a re-release. I mean, there's a company we can pick on well, that no, before we pick twice. Up, before we pick on that, I would like <laughs> I to know. say, find a Final Fantasy One fan and ask them, is Garland going to knock you all, us all down or take us all on? Mm, he's going to knock us all down. That's right. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we pick on ports and re-releases, but then there are games where we never got them in English until that particular iteration, like Final Fantasy 3. Oh. We never got to play it in its original sprite form unless you played it emulated, Scott. Which I tried um, to do. I tried to do. And then I heard about the re-release, and I was like so excited about the DS release, and then I played it. And then I was no longer excited about it. Uh, you know, and, I make fun of Scott that because... Got, that game got worse at every turn. Yes. <laughs> well, it's one of those... Scott never beat the DS version of three. Never did. Don't blame him. It's in China. I did. <laughs> I did. That was did my too. first and only experience. I, I can't get the job-based system. Three and five were real slogs for me. Yeah. But 
for some reason, I love jobs, but I can't get into those in those two games. Though I did like five on five did better than three did. Well, I, I well the only reason why I enjoyed my last playthrough of five is because I moronically decided to master every job, and it took me eighty hours. Well, that, <laughs> well that's what you get for wandering in the into the domain of uh, freaks and Koreans. <laughs> but I mean, you know. We use three as an example, but that's the first and only experience a lot of people in North America and Europe got. And it's the same yeah. with, like, Dragon Quest five mm. and six. Now, you know, Scotchy may chime in on this, too. It's no, it's one of ahead. those things where it's problematic. You know, yeah. how can you say that you've played it in its divinitive form when, for most of us, we're English-speaking? Well, and that this is was... the only divinitive form we have, in a way. And this was a fight we caught Sam has had before about Persona 3, where, you know... By we, there was a discussion of characterization in it, and she was bringing in examples from the female side of PS, uh, the, the uh, PSP three. version. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's not the definitive version. I'm 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 working off of the original cut, and I'm like, this is the same team doing the same characters. <laughs> I don't see how the one that came out most recently is less valid. Yeah. Oh, but this person told me it was less valid. That was the best part. Well, I'm not uh. I'm not saying this person was reasonable. I'm just saying. Where do we fall on this? Is this sort of like where you have to sit back and say, no, 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 Frank Miller is the real daddy for Deadpool, or and Daredevil, that's what's, not that's uh, the guy that created him? That's yeah. what's hard, because, you know, we can always pinpoint and say, this is the divinitive version. And in some cases, you know, it's never going to be true for each person. You know, I will tell people, and this is not a knock at you, Trent, because it's your first time playing it, but... Persona 4 is a great example of there's no reason why there was another version for it. There was no need for it. And it was the same with 3. Okay. Yes, it brought it to a handheld audience, which was awesome. And a yeah. good business but, move in Japan. But and the I changes, <laughs> But the changes in 4, to me, were not enough the way that they were 3. Can, can, I, can I make a point about that? Just Absolutely, my dear. I, like I, I've only started playing like to give a precursor to the, those listening. I only started playing it like this past week, and I've been interested in it for about four months. And when I was looking online, original copies for the PS2 were at astronomical prices. Like, there's no way that I, I could have afforded or or would have sought out one of these copies to the game. And then, of course, comes the realization that I have a Vita. I can probably play this game now at a reasonable <laughs> price. And the game was purchased at $24. Now, to me, that that's an amazing thing. And, and oh, the only reason why I'm exposed to it is because this iteration actually exists and is currently oh, on the market. That's not really why I'm picking on it, though. The reason I'm picking on it is the fact that, you know, for you, it's a new experience, regardless. For yeah. me, as somebody who's already played it, I looked at the additions in 4 and said... That was super unnecessary. <laughs> I like, didn't I'm see sorry, a whole lot of change or added. That... I'm sorry, the... the Marie stuff, Mac? Totally unnecessary. And Marie was yeah. a crappy character. Okay. Yeah, so, Marie's so, kind so of you, you didn't enjoy taking some time out of your exploration of the TV world to watch some Persona-based concerts? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, it's like, for me, the addition of Marie, the additional anime sequences, did nothing for me. Whereas when I played persona 3 portable and had that girl's perspective that girl's perspective changes a lot believe it or not now that's something i'll agree with you on completely because that was a whole lot more content added to it than golden ads Uh, golden was just a little more polished version not a 
changed or definitive version by any means. So the 93 Laserdisc release of A New Hope? That's what you want to call yes, it. Specifically the Laserdisc version. Well, no, that had the 5.1 surround mix, but it didn't have any of the other stuff that no one likes. Yeah, it's that's... one of those things where I'm I'm not saying the Vita version doesn't have merit. It's just if you're gonna look at differences in what ports and re-releases do, the Vita version is surprisingly bare bones compared to Portable Three or Persona Three Portable. Um, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but for me, you know, when I was playing it, it's like for me this just didn't feel necessary. I still love Persona yeah. Four, and I finished it again, and I still enjoyed my playthrough. But I found that I got ten times the enjoyment when I played Persona 3 Portable a second time as that girl. Because, dude, I got to date all the boys. I got to have (laughs) the boys' point of view, which is something you don't get from the original game. You know, you actually get to learn why Junpei is the way that he is. What the deal behind Akihiko's sister is. What's up with, you know, Shinjiro? It really was a second crush on you. In Persona like, 4 Golden, you can get uncomfortably close in the most hetero of ways to get oh yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. It's just, for me, I think it also boiled down to cast. Like, m- most people know that I am a hardcore Persona 3 fangirl. It's not just because I love Mitzi Babe, even though she's, like, my lesbian video game crush. Sorry, Scott. It's just that, for me, that cast did something better than Force cast did. That can be a whole different argument. So I also know that in my factor of enjoyment for that re-release, to me in my head I'm going, this cast is slightly inferior to 3, but I still love them despite their Scooby-Doo ways. <laughs> but I still didn't need to play this game again, yeah. even though I did and still had fun. Well, there we go. <laughs> go. Going back on that, and kind of wrapping it back around to yes. another game, like Final Fantasy 3, like we were talking about earlier, I did play a little bit of the original version emulated, you know, with the translation, and what they did there with characters is something similar to what I think changed in Persona 3 as well as the characters that were joining you in Final Fantasy 3 in the original Nintendo version. Oh, they didn't join you. They were just there. They, yeah, they Onion Kid 1 you. through 4, they were right there. Well, I'm talking the additional Oh, Princess characters. Sarah and Dash. Yeah, they actually had some depth to them. Uh, I think Dash still... I, they didn't really change Je- Dash's story at all. It was just more so the interaction, it seemed like. And that's what I feel like You know, Sam's kind of saying with Persona 3 and 4, is that it really changed the perspective that you saw and in 3, whereas 4 was really just a more polished version of the same game. Persona 3 Portable was like an entirely different game if you played it with, you know, the female persona mm-hmm. or female main character. Yeah. There's, and there's definitely value to a, a re-release that has what would we, I, I suppose you could call a definitive version. One of the reasons why I am excited to purchase uh, Final Fantasy ten ten two for my Vita is not only so that I'll have something to play on my Vita, but also mm-hmm. because it's the international edition, as Mac alluded to earlier. So there's a whole bunch of content on there that I've never been privy to, neither has anyone else in North America, unless they imported it and are really good at Japanese. And the real big thing that I'm kind of hoping for is that it sells really well here so that yeah. we'll get a release of Final Fantasy twelve International Zodiac Edition. As is the rest of the world. And if we could take a minute to dwell on something, it really bothers me when something is called the International Edition and it's not released internationally. (laughs) 
Well, yes. that, that's that's just Square. I mean, they can't come up with a title for crud. Yeah, that tends to be their key of using the word international is let's take the things that we improved in the localized version in North America, add more fun things to it, and re-release it as an international version in Japan only. As, you know, happened with Final Fantasy VII and... You know, 10, 10, games. 2, 12. Well, and here's here's my question is maybe like I mean obviously the the JRPG is kind of bloaty story wise or not not story wise but content wise as it is. Mm-hmm. Do we need more? <laughs> um I I feel like if you're a fan of the game and you're making a, a deliberate purchase it's always good if there's more. Well, I, again, but there we go right again back to who is this for? Is it for the fan or is it for the new person? Because um, here's here's the thing. Uh, to give you an example, uh, the first time that I played Silent Hill Two, it wasn't its initial release uh, for the Sony PlayStation Two. It was the updated Xbox version with better visuals and an additional side quest called. Um, uh, letters from Silent Haven or something along those lines and it chronicled uh, a sub-scenario including a secondary character who was technically an antagonist in the main game right before the game actually takes place so it added a whole bunch of perspective I'm sure to existing Silent Hill 2 fans but that additional content there for the first time I played the game was just made the experience all the more valuable and it did and even today it feels like it was the definitive version you know yeah but you still and got I'll, the UFO ending right only on my third try ah <laughs> now and going to say who's it for in a lot of cases I will say for me, a lot of times, re-releases and ports and all of that are a good way for me to go back and replay a game that I would like to replay. Because there's lots of games that I'll finish and be like, man, I'd really love to play that again. But I can't bring myself to go back and play the exact same game. And playing again on a new format with new content. And if Final Fantasy X and X-2 game, you know, I love X. And it's a game that I loved, and I tried to replay it a second time on PS2 and only got about halfway through. But I loved it. If it was just releasing on PlayStation 3, I don't think I would play it. But the fact that it will now be a portable version that I can take with me anywhere, it will be the international content, so there's at least some bonus stuff, which I really am truthfully not that interested in. I just want to replay the game. It's nice to have that option. But the problem I run into is I still want things to be a little more updated. And... They still don't have it. You you can't skip cutscenes in this new upcoming version, in the HD remaster. So honestly, and skip the awkward laughter. <laughs> no, that's one thing I kind of miss, and really, you know, I'm kind of taking what I can get here. But I, I miss the days when Square Enix took the time. If you know, it's not like they've rushed this port out. They've taken their sweet time getting it released. So if you're going to take that long. And pretty much build the game from the ground up, put some more fixes into it, put some more, you know, put a cutscene skip or a fast forward option, give some more content, something else with it. Yeah, something else. You've got to, you've got to touch it up. Doing a remaster and taking this long is just a cheap shot and it's shoddy and I'm still going to buy it. So that pretty much sums me up. (laughs) Well, coming back to the PS2 HD upscales, I mean... People are expecting a lot of these when normally it's a small art team just upscaling 
you know, doing some new textures and cleaning up some jaggies, like some artifacts from the original version, and slapping it on a SD card. Like th- this is not something for a quick buck. This is like this is easy revenue for a lot of companies. Yeah, it's why Sony. It's why a lot of uh, you see it more on Sony machines. Mm-hmm. And I don't Without know if that's and maybe that sort of attitude is maybe what's souring me on the idea. It is kind of sour because honestly, if they're not doing a whole lot to it, looking at the difference between the Kingdom Hearts HD versions, which was just more or less just a compilation of stuff, and what they've done with Final Fantasy X, you know, it's all new, like a a brand new UI, a rearranged soundtrack for better or worse, mostly worse, and you know, some additional content, they've done so many changes to it, you wonder how much they really did have to do over and not just reuse assets. So at that point, quit being a quick buck and just go all out and do a little more. Well, and that's where it gets even problematic with some of the smaller developers out there. I mean, Gust is another example of a company like Square Enix where they can churn out these HD versions like it's nobody's business. One thing, though, I will give Gust a little bit of credit on is, you know, they're doing that uh, Rorona one where you can play it on PS3 and Vita, but they actually changed the graphics to the engine that Totori and Meruru are in. So they're rebuilding that game from the ground up. But the Vita version of Meruru was a cheap cash-in. The Totori one, cheap cash-in. Yeah. The Aisha one, even worse, because there's there's nothing new in them. Yeah, look at what NIS does with Disgaea. Oh, or you with Mugen Souls. Well, no, I mean, they ported Disgaea 1 and 2 to, to the PSP. They ported 3, and they're now porting 4 to the yeah. Vita. And they're pretty much the same game. They give them a new subtitle because they add a little bit more story, which, pro- you know, those games don't Hey, no, no, Disgaea most- 1 on DS gave me printy commentary mode. Ooh. Worth the price of admission. Whatever. I forget that game even exists half the time, but the DS you're version. You're right, Mac. It, that's a case where Disgaea is another... Let's well, just Japan. slap it on another, you know, on another yeah. portable or console and say, here you go. Japan's really picking up on this a whole lot more, and I don't know if it's just by ease of they know how to port things now from PS3 to Vita or whatever. Well, Sony, you know, Sony seems to be making it easier for cross-platform. Yeah, because the uh, latest Legend of Heroes game, the Sin no Kiseki, was able to be created for PS3 and Vita at the same time. A lot of games that are coming out, PS3 and Vita, at, you know, they're they're able to do that more. So a lot of companies are saying, oh, well, we made these games earlier. Let's just re-release them again. And I love that because I didn't play them the first time. And that's the whole reason a lot of times I will buy a re-release is because it's now available in a format that I prefer. I look at my PlayStation 2 collection, and there are so many games I'd love to see a an HD Vita re-release just so that I could play it on the go because I'm not going to hook up my PlayStation 2 conveniently. Well, it's like there's plenty of PS1 RPGs I would love to have to put on my Vita. If yeah. only if they were on the PSN. <laughs> yeah, if they were on the PSN and I could put them on my Vita. See, I, I would love to be able of, to do that. 
in a lot of these cases, I don't need an HD remake or, or re-release. What I need is for them to go on the PSN as a PS2 classic title or a PS1 classic title. To give you an accessible version. I would be okay with either, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's one other set of games that we hadn't, or at least on the Japanese side, that we didn't really talk about that changed things quite a bit, and that's the Lunar series. Oh, that was the one I was going to pick on earlier, and you stopped me. Good for you. <laughs> I'm, trying um, to, I'm trying to play nice for no, now. No, it's allowed, actually, because we, we can... it's probably an appropriate time for it, because Victor Ireland's a special, special person. He's getting an episode, sort of. <laughs> uh, that's good, because, you know, he's somebody from my childhood that I played his games, his localization of games, and now having chatted with him via email by working at the site and having, you know, an interview with him conversation. It, it's a different perspective on my childhood, not for better or worse, just different. Um, but the Lunar games were another one because how many of you all have played the Sega CD versions? I have not. That's no, what no. I thought. Mine was the PS, the PlayStation version. Yeah. I played them on the Sega CD. That was the whole reason I bought a Sega CD when I was younger was for the original Lunar and loved the original Sega CD versions. I prefer them much, much more than I do the PlayStation versions, which is kind of sad because there were improvements on the PlayStation versions, but they're just the ones that stuck with me. They were the original content, and those were games that really did receive a complete, you know, overhaul, you know, becoming the complete version. Everything was changed again. You know, encounters were gone. Random and bat- random battles were now replaced with on-screen combat, um, which... Really, if you look at it, and that's a whole other podcast, the on-screen <laughs> combat really is just random battles you can't get away from. Um, and they changed up, added some new story stuff. You know, it, it, they were both, they were all great. But that was one reason I'm glad they did that, because if they'd stayed on Sega CD, none of you all would have had a chance to play it, most likely. Yeah, but oh. it's also kind of interesting, since with Lunar, you've had, just the first one in particular, you've had three different iterations of it. Three very different localizations because the oh. localization on Sega CD is Five. so vastly different from PlayStation, which is so vastly different from the XC localization on Silver Star Harmony. Oh, the Sega CD versions, it's not just localization. The entire game. Everything's different. The content is different. We're about to go into Lunar spoiler territory, so if you're not, if you haven't played the original Lunar, um, just go ahead and... Uh, what, what, okay, I may not have played the original Lunar, but I've, <laughs> oh, I've played, I didn't know if you played Lunar at all. That's what I was saying. I, Maybe no, no, I did. I, I have I have Lunar Eternal Blue for the PlayStation One. Yay, that's the better one. <laughs> and and I've played um, Silver Star Harmony for the PSP. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, You're okay. I'm about to go in and spoil what happens in the Silver Star story and Silver Star Harmony. Is there's a point in time where Alex and all of them are going to rescue i think they're trying to get um which part is it that I'm, okay you go back to the main island to visit quark you're going back to visit you know the big white dragon your favorite your big buddy the white dragon and you've got galleon with you and he's your buddy and you know he's helping you out he's going back to see quark with you in the ps1 and psp versions he captures quark you know locks him up captures all the dragons, harnesses their power and everything. The Sega CD version, he murders him. Yes, that's big, right. Big, big, big difference. difference. In, big difference in tone. And I thought that the PlayStation 1 version cheapened 
the entire story of Lunar because it was just like, oh, we can't have him kill him. We've got to capture him. We can't have a you know a dramatic ending. That was a major major point in that game to me. And it's for I kids. Yeah, not like and the was... Sega CD. That's for no one. Yeah, except me, <laughs> I guess. That is a very important plot point. That you're right with localization changes. It makes a huge difference. And for those who played Sega CD, that's kind of an awkward change because you're going from captured like Pokemans to murderer. <laughs> well, well, at that point, like which which version is considered canon too, right? Sega CD actually is usually yeah. what people tell you. More so than anything. Because Alex also played a different instrument in the Sega CD version. Yeah. He played there a harp. There were some other changes too, because I think in the Sega CD version, he was, Galleon was trying to destroy every possible chance you had of becoming a Dragon Master. He was trying to do that. He tricked you into killing the Black Dragon. Um, you know, one of his lines is, you just destroyed the your only re- remaining means of becoming a Dragon Master. And he just laughs in your face. And, you know, it's just kind of, oh, well, we've captured them and you can bring them back to life and stuff. Let's put it this way. The localization, if you look at the three games, Galleon's character gets one of the biggest changes because he's far more malicious in the Sega CD version. Whereas he comes across more maniacal in the PlayStation version and really creepy wise in the PlayStation version, like the PSP version. Like yeah. the three, there's three faces of Galleon, and it's bizarre because yeah. depending on which version you play, you're treated to a different character, and whichever one you encountered first is the one that's kind of stuck in your head. Exactly, and that's that's another thing. Just kind of wrapping this back to the whole idea of re-releases and ports and all of that. I appreciate the fact that these came out and that they were something, but like Trent was talking about with Final Fantasy IV, it kind of changes your whole perspective depending on which one you may have experienced. Having gone in playing, you know, the Super Nintendo version of 4 first, playing the DS one's kind of strange. Having played the Sega CD version of Lunar first, playing the PlayStation 1 one's kind of strange. And, like, that article you were talking about that you wrote last year about Final Fantasy 7, you know, if they were to re-release it and make it to where you could re-revive Eris, you could or bring her back to have life. Materia yeah, make sense. Down. Or <laughs> you, what, what else might be? Or how about eliminating some of the mini-games? How about having a proper localization? Oh, oh God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I or, really, really Or some really sort hate... of weird definitive version where it actually strings together the continuity from, like, Crisis Core into 7 into, what was Dirge it? Dirge of Cerberus. Dirge of Cerberus. And, and Advent Children. Oh, oh and, and into uh, Final Fantasy X and X-2, because now they're suddenly oh, in the God. same universes. Somehow. Yeah, let's, let's, let's not focus on that too hard, shall we? Yes, please. please <laughs> we'll all go episode. cross-eyed. Um, yeah. Now, I, I feel like one thing that we haven't really touched on yet, which I know is going to be a source of contention, especially around a lot of the folks that uh, visit the site on a regular basis, would be the iOS re-releases of some RPG classics. Well, <laughs> and getting into that, I've kind of wanted to bring up the Baldur's Gate Enhanced Editions, oh. where okay. it yeah. seems to I me like, like the community fun. has responded to it by saying, yeah, it's great that I that it you got it running on Windows 8 or my tablet with slightly better textures, so I don't have to install that fan-made patch. But all sort of the additional stuff is sort of immediately written off as not even worth thinking about. You just want to play Baldur's Gate again. And I can see that. And that's... I think it really is the format. And 
this kind of stuff, like Trent was saying, that bringing it to iOS really does bring it to a totally different generation because a lot of people that play, a lot of people I know of nowadays play on iOS and they've never owned a console. A lot of younger people have never owned a console, no handhelds. They don't game on their PC other than, you know, Facebook games. Younger people like that are really just playing stuff on iOS and some people, you know, that have played them still prefer that. So having games like the Final Fantasy 1, Final Fantasy 2 ported to iOS or the whole Dragon Quest series that they're porting over. Um, you know, RPGs are an easy target for that because they're a lot of the turn-based stuff is slower, not action-based, easy to convert to one-touch combat. But yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan at all. See, not and, even and this, remotely. And, and, and not to take a stab at, at you, Mac, but it, oh, I feel... please. That, Step away. I feel- I feel like there is a large group of people who dislike these games more out of principle than they do the fact that people get to play them. Like, like if you choose not to play the game, if you feel like you would not enjoy it in that format, or if you feel like you do not like the art style, that is 100% you, and I understand that. But there are people who have implicitly chosen to bear disdain for these re-releases because they're not being re-released on the platforms that they prefer. Like there's almost there's almost a scornfulness. Like if someone had re-released an updated version of Final Fantasy VI, regardless of what the visuals are for the Vita instead of for iOS, the sentiment or the other way around, I honestly think would change because right now it's really negative and it's negative because it is exclusive to a platform that a lot of traditionalists don't indulge in. Well, and at the same time, there is there is pricing, which is not always a huge issue, but it's Square Enix, so you have to sit there and look and, and say, is this game worth $16 on my but, phone? But that's another thing, too, because I, I we went through the same debate when it came to Dimensions. I mean, people are going to point the finger at Final Fantasy Dimensions, which is $24, and they're going to say, that's way too much money. But if those same people were to get an original release that had not been out on iOS, they would have Vita, that was $24, they would have said, that's a budget price. I'll See, buy- there's, there, I have a small bit of contention with iOS ports, and mine more comes from the fact that there are a few that have been ported that are just broken. Like yeah. Lunar Silver Star Touch on iOS is a very inferior version to... Totally PSP version. Totally like that reasonable. one's actually broken. The, mm-hmm. There's a port of a Sega Saturn game called Bay, also broken. Mm-hmm. Now, to to comment on what you said and to go back to Trent's point exactly is those kind of points are totally relevant, and you don't like that kind of stuff. But you are talking to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm dead serious. I'm totally owning up to the fact that what you're saying is exactly true because Final Fantasy Dimensions on iOS won't pay a dime for. You put that same game on Vita for thirty dollars, thirty nine ninety nine. I'm there day one. Um, I'll say the same thing for you. for Dragon <laughs> Quest Eight. Dragon Quest Eight being ported to iPad, you know, looks the same. You know, it's same game, same content on iOS. Not interested. Port the Especially same game not to Vita. The Seventeen, they're going to charge you. Don't even care. Seventeen bucks, whatever. You release it on Vita, the exact same thing for thirty nine ninety nine. I'm there day one. It's it really is. It's not so much that I have disdain for those. It's the fact that I wish there was an option for both. 
I don't like the fact that it's being limited to one or the other. If you can do it on one, you can do it on the other, but apparently it's not worth the time and effort to put it towards a system with a lower install base, which mm. is just where I prefer to play. I like buttons. I like control. I like, you know, D-pad and thumbsticks. I understand how to use those. Don't like touch so much. That's Ooh. my, and there are that's some where it comes that, down to. Uh, if, there if are we'll some RPGs see. that don't do so hot without controller buttons. Deus Ex The Fall. Yeah. Well, that's an entirely new game, though. It's an entirely new game. It's a game I would never want to play on my tablet. But that's why I never. Well, finished have, it. Sam, have you ever tried to play Final Fantasy Tactics on the the iOS version of it? No, because we don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> do we? We don't. But <laughs> you can't do facing on a touch screen. Yeah, I want to be able to face my arrows. Aim the arrow in the right direction. But it, there are it's, functional it's good, things I want. I mean, I, to, to your point, Mac, like, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I would very much prefer things to be on the Vita. And, and to be fair, I don't actually purchase any of these RPGs that come out for the iOS because it is not my preferred play style. And I honestly don't think my phone could stand that much of a battery drain, you know? Yes. However, it does, it like, and it, the, keeping in mind, I'm not even the audience for these games. It really gets under my skin how defensive and militant people get about these RPGs going to a, a mobile phone instead of a traditional handheld or, God forbid, a full console experience, which to some extent I get. But to another extent, I think that's like misplaced rage 100%. Well, there's well, this. Well, misplaced rage is another episode. Yeah. <laughs> Now, keep trying to keep this on the point of re-releases and stuff. Scott, you brought up the Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 enhanced editions that came to, you know, they did them on Windows, but they also put them on tablets too, right? And, yeah. Now, what if they were to announce Baldur's Gate 3 iPad only? How would you feel? Well, that depends. Did they somehow get... Uh... Ray and Greg and Drew to do it again because it seems like they've all quit video games. Well, because otherwise point. that's Just, not I'm really to be Baldur's very, very, Gate three. <laughs> trying to be very very high level hypothetical on okay. this end, but so okay, let's say it it is people I can accept as writing Baldur's Gate three. Yes, as a tablet exclusive. Mm-hmm. Now here's the thing: it's been a couple. Of, it's been a year now since. Baldur's Gate uh, Enhanced Edition has come out. Mm-hmm. We still don't have an Android version. When it happens, because they still seem to be doing it now that they've got the legal hash settled, mm-hmm. I'll probably buy it, which means I'll be... have bought three copies of Baldur's Gate 1. <laughs> like you've had the... so many copies of Bastion, yeah. my dear. But hey, the point I'm trying I to make three out copies of, of Bastion <laughs> is if they were to re-release it on iPad only and you were not getting a PC version of Baldur's Gate 3, would you be happy? I would probably not be happy. And that's what a lot of people are afraid of. They seem to think, well, if these come out on iOS and they do well, next thing you know, they're going to ditch the whole point of going to... Look at what happened with Final Fantasy V and Six. Your point exactly, Trent, is they were they did Final Fantasy Four beautifully on PSP, and then they decide, hey, we're going to re-release five and we're going to re-release six again, but iOS only. We're not going to waste our time with, you know, a PlayStation Vita version. I know they're not going to do PSP at this point, but we're not going to do a Vita version. We're not going to do a 3DS version. We're going to put them on iOS because it's easy for us, and we can make good buck off of it. And that's 
what people get afraid of because they're afraid all the new content that they've not had a chance to play is going to start going that direction. So that's why I think a lot of the fear from the re-release and where the militant attitude comes from, it's where my fear comes from. This is an interesting uh, fear. But I understand, you know, it, it doesn't really impact me. If they were saying they were making a version for iOS and Vita, I'd be like, sweet, I'll play the one I want, you play the one you want. Don't really yep. care. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So many times it doesn't happen. I just can't get into tablet gaming at all. I've tried and tried, and I just, I can't do it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it it's not for a lack of trying. It's just often, there's the one, there's the preference, and two, it's really just the discomfort. Right. It's unfamiliar territory, and it's not territory I want to get familiar with. Indeed. But again, probably a whole nother show. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know what? There's even ports and re-releases where they've gone onto different platforms, uh-huh. and I'm just like, no, just no. Like, I tried to play Deus Ex Human Revolution Director's Cut on Wii U. The new control scheme, not my cup of tea. Well, that has to do with the sticks, not to do with the click and drag, the press and drag, I don't which even you didn't like, even get to. I don't even like what they did with the gamepad. I don't like playing the hacking game on on the gamepad. It's no. not comfortable. It's awkward. You you bring especially up a, when you're timed. Yeah, you bring up a good question that I want to ask too. In in something like that, the director's cut that's for a new system completely. How do you feel about? What they're now referring to is like the definitive version of Tomb Raider coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Same game, just prettier. Hey, Tress Effects totally matters. It totally matters. Um, Is going to see more of that? You know, is that the new future of re-releases? Well, I I don't know why people are surprised at this. If they look in their history book at what happened between last generation and our current generation, like Mm -hmm. the same thing happened. We were Tomb Raider. Yeah, we were seeing releases come out on the PS2 at the same time they're coming out on the PS3 and on the Xbox at the same time they're coming out on the Xbox 360. And there were minimal differences between these two iterations and people bought both or chose one over the other based on which system they had. I feel like this is like the natural progression of the timeline in between two generational. Like that there is, there is that year or so of grace period, actually closer to three because we cover JRPGs here. (laughs) But yeah, I totally see what you're saying. There is the cross generation gap that you run into, but what I'm wondering is, do you all think that's going to be something that lasts longer this time around? I think we'll see a few things try and go across. I think I, I could definitely yeah, see sure, like Bethesda depends. doing their back catalog. Yeah. What about a Final Fantasy twelve Lightning trilogy <laughs> definitive definitive virgin oh, version? Oh like with four K support, yeah, that'll happen. I I am Or in three D one of one of those gimmicks. Something I am like. uncomfortable with this because I guess for me it's like yes, it's a new console generation, so yes, let's try to get some games you've already played, most likely, on those systems. And it was funny, I was talking to my cousin who came to visit me yesterday, and he's, he has a copy of The Last of Us. Unfortunately, he broke up with his fiance, so she took the PS3 and he has this copy of The Last of Us. He, he goes, got the dog, though, now, so... He goes, I guess I'll just have to wait till the definitive PS4 version comes out. And I said to him, now, while that is probably very likely, what if it didn't happen? And he gave me this look like, well, I'm not going to buy another console to go play this game I already own. Da, 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 da. And I said, <laughs> what if you don't have a choice? 
He goes, well, the PS4 will be backwards compatible at some point, right? And I was like, again, these are what ifs. Truthfully, I am uncomfortable with the fact that we're just constantly re-releasing games, like AAA titles, on prettier consoles. Well, it, I'm uncomfortable it's... with it because I, I want more. I want to see it. companies do more. I'm sick of seeing yeah. the well, same here's the thing. Over and over. This console yep. generation has taught us all, taught taught developers that you can recycle the same franchise annually, and it's about to realize that you can recycle the exact same content. At least somewhat frequently, but we're coming up close to time. So, what do you got, Mike? All right, I wanted to ask everybody one last question, just to kind of wrap up the whole remake, re-release thing. Is if there was one game, either that's already announced that's coming that you really are excited for, or if there's one that you'd really like to see remade, or remaster, re-released in some form or fashion, what would it be and why? And I'll go ahead and just for an example, this isn't this probably is mine, but like Trent said earlier, the Final Fantasy twelve International Zodiac job system. That would be fantastic to see. Are there any others like that that you would that you all would like to see happen that you maybe can't play as easily now but would love to play a newer version? Oh, Which I, one would it be in on what system? Kinda? I can tell you right now. There was a collector the C D ROM re releases of X Wing and TIE Fighter. They came in one box back in the day. I would love to see those ported, not even to a new engine, just with the te- just with the models and textures from X-Wing Alliance, and I'd be happy, oh so happy. Any RPGs? Hey, I I play a very I take my character in Tie Fighter very seriously. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> what about you, Sam Trent? Anything, or should I go? Because I've got one in mind that really stands out to me. You go, because I'm thinking. Um, one thing I would like to see done, and the Baldur's Gate re-release is kind of what's sparked that, is I'd like to see a more consolified version of Planescape Torment. I'd love to play that game, and I know there's mods that you can play it on and you know get it off GOG and mod it up. But I'd love to play... There's a lot of Western role-playing games that are older that I'd love to play re-released on console. I think it would be nice... For me to do that because I'm not a keyboard mouse kind of guy. So something like that, you know, kind of like Borderlands 2's coming to Vita. I'd love to see portable versions of some Western RPGs. And Planescape Torments, one I've not had a chance to play yet. Would love to play it, you know, sitting in front of a TV with a controller in my hand. Uh, if, if I could go next. Um, yeah. I suppose um, Saiken Densetsu 3 is a game that I played. Oh, yeah. It's a game that I played a fan translation of uh, two years ago, and I, of course, loved it because one of my first RPGs and one of my favorite RPGs is Secret of Mana. It's never been released here, and at the time, that was kind of excusable because the amount of memory necessary uh, for a cartridge's capacity was not available here in America at the time, but it's never been re-released since. And it's, it's one of these things, like, the game... I suppose the Mana series probably doesn't have a big following now, but the game is so good, and I just wish that I could play a legitimate version of it today. So, in a perfect world, yeah. that would be my choice. <laughs> if they were to release it as, like, Secret of Mana 2 or 3, or call it something like that on 3DS, I think uh, it could get I, some I would real be traction. a little bit scornful if they called it Secret of Mana 2, like all the bootleggers do on eBay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, 
I don't really care if they update the visuals or if they add additional content. And I don't care what platform it's on necessarily. Like, if that came to a mobile phone, even knowing how much the Secret of Mana game did not work on iOS, I would buy it and I would play it to its completion because I really enjoyed the fan translation and I would like something that was a bit of a more stable build and hopefully something that would be portable. Like, that's a game that I would support. There again, my interests are not necessarily that of the general gaming market, and it probably wouldn't sell enough units to justify its re-release. I think a lot of niche fans would love that. Yeah. A lot of RP gamers yeah. would love to see exactly what you just said. But... Like I said, Trent, my, my choices are no better than in, in that sense, because... I, first off, would love to have Sweet Coden 2 at least on PSN so people could actually play it. Mm-hmm. Like, that breaks my heart that, for example, one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, Kimberly Wallace from Game Informer, has never played Sweet Coden 2. And it drives me crazy because... Why, why to... isn't it on the PSN? Like, I've never understood that. Very simple. That's a question people <laughs> ask all the time. Here's a very simple reason. It's aftermarket value. Go look at it. Well, that doesn't... It's... It's that doesn't stop Konami. Konami's not making any money. Konami, Konami doesn't care because Konami doesn't is not convinced that Suikoden sells, and Suikoden one on PSN proved that Suikoden doesn't sell. Mind you, they put this, the wrong one on there, but you know. I'll say this much: a very say I saw the very same thread asking the very same question on NeoGaf today, and it's something that gets asked every you know every few months or so, and apparently there's possibly some emulation issues with it or contracts and licenses and it's, of oh they've probably just speculate. lost the source code and won't admit it yeah something it's like that it's, it's it's ridiculous but it's one of those things where truthfully regardless of whatever excuse you concoct the reality is that it's the one speed coding game that for the most part fans don't get to play the aftermarket value is just redonkulous let's face it it's not some people look at that and they go, you know, 200 to 500 bucks, like, for one game, which apparently is the bestest game ever, and oh my god, I should play it. You know, a lot of people are pretty leery about that. And if, and unfortunately, we never got that PSP version that had 1 and 2 in it. And because 1 and 2 are so close in plot, if you go from playing 1 to 3, you're missing that big chunk in the middle where part of the world and world building and plot will not make sense to you. And for that, as a Sweet Coden fan, that breaks my heart for people who don't have that opportunity to play it. The other game that I would love to see is a Final Fantasy style, in terms of graphics, Valkyrie Profile remake. Because that would be absolutely Hmm. gorgeous. And that's a game that, even though the 2D artwork is gorgeous, I'd love to see what they would do in 3D. Because when you look at the, the 3D visuals on the PSP version... They're just as stunning as the anime sequences in the original PlayStation version. And I would love to see that because, to me, one that's my favorite game in the whole wide world. It's the game that I tout as one of the greatest games for both storytelling and just visual appeal to go with said storytelling. And, again, it's another game that it's hard to get. And having a version like that would make it a lot more accessible so people can see what's so great about it. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of two, and I'm not a fan of Covenant of the Plume. Covenant of the Plume, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't even exist. <laughs> it's well, not I've heard that from a few people, actually. And You're on... talking to the Valkyrie Profile fangirl. 
who reviewed it and said, the fact that this exists destroys me. <laughs> and um, on that bombshell, leave us hey, feedback. I more, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes, feedback. <laughs> please, please leave us feedback on this. Let us know. There if might you like be prizes. There will probably be prizes. There I may not be prizes. prizes, but, you know. There may not actually be prizes. prizes. There may not actually be, be feedback. <laughs> prizes to be determined later. But yes, uh, just to second this, I'll take a quick second to say thank you, Scott, for helping to arrange the recording on this. And thank you, Sam and uh, Trent, for joining us in doing this podcast. So thank you all. Yay, thank you. Catch you next time. <laughs> all right. For all of us, I guess we get to sign off now. Later. Sign off. Sup later. <laughs> Bye, my homies. I'm bad at this. The Active Topical Banter Show is an RP Gamer production, all rights reserved. Visit rpgamer.com for contact info, discussions, and other great content. Music by Nubuo Ematsu, arrangements courtesy of ocremix.com.